Hi, I'm Adam Stovall, uh, writer, director, producer of A Ghost Waits. And with me is... McLeod Andrews. I play Jack, produced, and co-wrote A Ghost Waits, and other stuff, too. And this is spoiler country, so sit back, because it's going to be, be a while. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back! <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. If a ghost is waiting and you're in the restroom, you've come to the right place. Welcome back. To spoiler country. I'm Ken Green. That right there is the ever amazing Mr. Horsley. And today, day on the show, well, it's part two or of our in-depth, we're talking deep, deep Tom Brokaw level reporting with Adam Stovall and McLeod Andrews. So are you Tom Brokaw on this situation? Um, sure. Why not? I couldn't do a Tom Brokaw voice if my life depended on it. And now that I say that, I can't even imagine what his voice sounds like right now. (laughs) Dude, all I can think of is Jim Carrey from uh, that one movie. He's like, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. (laughs) 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 That's all I can think of. (laughs) Well, now we're getting into part two. Um, I think I believe I ended the last one with Adam lamenting that we did a two hour interview with with McLeod and he'd like the same treatment <laughs> and request granted and request was granted. Well, it's, it was just kind of cool. Cause you never know with people, you know, and right. we just had a really good time and I watched other, uh, the cool thing, if you guys go to arrow dash player.com and you watch a ghost waits, they have a ton of extras for you to watch afterwards. So you can watch the interview with Adam and, uh, some guy that's interviewing him. I don't know who he is, so I, I don't, you know, don't want to say. Uh, you can watch an interview with McLeod. You can watch. They have commentary track that you can watch. Nice. They have the trailer being set up by by Adam. It's it's really cool. And so he's all, he's done all these different interviews besides just that. And it was just fun because I could tell because we're just this cool that he had a genuinely good time on ours. You know. Yeah, because clearly. Clearly, when people come on our show, it's the best interview they've ever had. That's right. I mean, that's right. We're, just, we're hard-hitting. We make them think. <laughs> that's right. That's what we do. We ask the hard questions like, how you doing today? <laughs> how big can we get our ego about this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have no real ego. We have a totally inflated fake ego. Though. Right. <laughs> 
our fake ego gets like stuck in the doorways it's, as we walk. Oh, through. it's massive, man! <laughs> it is. It is the Epcot Center of fake egos, man. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That's that shouldn't be funny, but it is. It's hilarious. So yeah, funny. I said it. Yeah. What'd you think of that first interview? Knowing first one was great, I'm man. saying I'm ex- it, knowing I'm ex- that Johnny hasn't heard it yet because he hasn't sat down and listened How to do it. How do you know? <laughs> Look, just because we just recorded the intro for the first episode, like 30 seconds before we started this one, does not mean I haven't listened to the whole interview in between that, in that 30 seconds. Giving right? away I'm the really magic, fast man. Listener. Just giving away the magic. Yeah, you're peeling back that veil behind it and seeing the the wizard behind the, the screen with all the dials, man. It's, it's not cool. Not cool. No, I. I'll listen to it, obviously. I mean, obviously. I'm sure it's wonderful, but thanks for putting it on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help it, man. It was just there floating, and we had this whole ego talk, and I was like, I got to pop it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> ego pop. I'm now sad. Uh, I'm going to go sit in the corner. No, seriously. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to love it, and I actually can't wait for us to have a talk about the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can go. I'll watch it this out. weekend. Yeah, good. Well, good. Yeah, go, I don't know. go set up my, your account my, and watch it. Yeah, my birthday is on Monday, so I'm probably not going to watch any movies. I have other stuff planned, but I'll watch it soon. Yeah. I promise. There you go. There you go. Do you know where to go to watch it? Uh, arrow something 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 dot com? Yeah, arrow-player.com. There you go. Arrow-player. See, I need you to say it again so I can have it memorized. I'm sorry. Arrow-player.com. Arrow-player.com. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's good. It's actually a really cool site. I, I didn't know yeah, anything no, about good. it until um, McLeod said, oh, you can go there and, and, and check it out now. And I was like, cool. And I went there. I was like, well, holy shit. They got a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's so many streaming platforms out there. You don't you don't know you know what you don't know. There's so many, man. Yeah. So, That's awesome, man. What do you say we just get into this, uh, this chat with you and, and them? Yeah, let's do this. Gonna do a two-hour episode this time. <laughs> you want to do a two-hour episode? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought we were gonna get into comics at some point. I, oh, are I you remember, are you a big comic book fan? I told McLeod, I was like, oh man, we're gonna talk about sex criminals. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, Matt Fraction and Chip Sadarsky. Yep, we had Chip Sadarsky on just a little bit ago. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We're you know, you know who else He's we had mate. on uh, McLeod? We had uh, Chad Stahelski. Whoa, oh, yeah, nice he was lead. on. We talked about John Wick, obviously, and uh, we, I asked him about Sandman Slim because he was tagged to do the movie. Yeah. He what did he say? I need, well, don't tell many, me. I'll he got too many projects. He had to step away from it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. He's so attached super to it on I was like, dude. He's like, he goes, I know they'll, they'll find another director to do it, but he's like, I just don't have the time. I think because they're getting ready to do more John Wicks. Uh, yeah, they greenlit like two more. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, Chip Zdarsky was on. He was awesome. He was a great guy. Sex the, is a crazy. He was like, we had no idea that that comic was going to blow up like that. Oh, that first, that, the first volume, like yeah. it's so clear. It's kind of like lost. They really didn't expect it to do anything. And it's so clear that they were just like packing stuff in. So like the jokes in the art yeah. that Chip was kind of burying mm-hmm. and then once it actually like hit and they decided to kind of explore mental health and, and whatnot, like yeah. it, it be, it's always a good book. It became very like really fascinating, but it was like so much fun to just see like, Oh, they had no idea this was coming. This is just yeah. two well, friends, like 
you know, they messing around. They didn't think that they were going to sell any because one, it's called sex criminals. So they didn't think any comic book store was going to order anything. Yeah. You know, and, and if they did, are they going to put a, like a paper bag in front of it? So you can't see mm-hmm. it. Like it's a plimp penthouse or a playboy in Seven Eleven. you know? So it, it made me laugh like so hard when they, cause you know, they had this like plan when they ended it and they just jumped to, ep- to issue 69 to end it. Oh yeah. Just yeah. Like, you guys. Oh, yeah. It was God. genius. It really was. Yeah. No, those, what, I, what other books have you ever thought about writing your own comic, Adam? I have. I mean, cause you're writing scripts and you're writing out movies. It feels like a natural, e- I don't, I don't want to say easy cause none of this is ever easy, but you would think so. One thing that you could do is probably jump into that if you wanted. Um, you, I would love to. One of the things I really love about writing uh, screenplays is, yeah. I, you know, I love performance. You know, it's like you watch a ghost way. It's like, yeah, faces are kind of my, I think the human, I think the face is the greatest special effect. And so I, I think if I were to write a book, I would, it would really, I would have to find like the right artist, right. you know? And I mean, there are some great ones out there, Oh yeah, uh, but like, yeah, it definitely appeals to me. I used to be, so I was like super into comics when I was growing up. And then I hit a stretch in my thirties where I was very poor. And yeah. so I couldn't afford any. Yeah. And now I'm getting to a point, like I read Tom King's run on vision recently, which blew my mind. I just picked up his Mr. Miracle run, which mm-hmm. is my next thing to read. There's a lot of is, hatred on his Batman run right now with people not liking is, Tom King on Batman for some reason. Which is but, sad because everything I've read in it, I, and I haven't read the whole run, but everything I read of it, I've really liked. Uh, honestly, I haven't been reading a lot. The only mainstream stuff I've read lately is the Savage Avengers, and that's because I'm a huge okay. Conan fan. Oh, okay. So I've been is that Jason a lot Aaron? of the Marvel and DC stuff. Oh, no. I've, been, I've backed quite a bit away from, you know, and getting more into more independent stuff because it's just you just yeah. get more of a complete story, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't have the like massive cruise liner of yeah you know dc storytelling marvel still you know where you have to like you know review what the notes of 48 other books and make sure that you're not stepping on toes of the superior simple simons of spider-man yeah it but that's always been i mean i remember in the 90s when like wildstorm kicked off and like you know and it was i i wasn't like a big wildstorm kid because i just thought i wasn't I just wasn't that kid, yeah. but yeah, like that's yeah, where that. the, that's where the fascinating stuff tends to kind of seep up. You know, yeah. it's one of the things I kind of love about like culture in general is that music, film, you know, comics, you know, you kind of, you, you use your like lower cost of entry, which is like why horror is such a huge thing for first time filmmakers, you know, splashing some blood on somebody isn't that expensive. And so like, yeah. but then if you do something that's, of merit if you do something that is, or not of merit but like that's interesting people will take notice because most of what's out there is kind of the kind of the same yeah you know so it's just like oh shit they you know i mean it's mark millar made his entire name on just like what or i mean so did alan moore but it's like what if we didn't take superheroes seriously yeah and that's revolutionary when the, Kick-Ass the is economy amazing. is built in yep yeah. Kick-Ass is exactly that and it's it's, it's awesome for that yeah you know, and Millar just sold his whole universe to Netflix, not but two years ago. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and what comes out of that because, yeah, they basically own, I think, everything he's developed outside of Marvel. My roommate in my 20s 
is now writing Spider-Man for Marvel. Nick Spencer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. We were roommates for a few years. And like we we met up in LA one of the last times I was out there and he was just like, wow, that apartment had a hundred percent success rate. Like go <laughs> us. <laughs> Score. Yeah. McLeod, are you into comic books at all, dude? I feel like I don't want to put you to sleep. No, no, you're not. It's I, I'm not into anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into raising this baby. No, I mean like I, I collected spawn when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I still have like issues one through like one through like 52 or 60 on my counter on my cabinet nice. over there. Uh, Adam introduced me to sex criminals, which I, I liked a lot and saga. I, I didn't mm-hmm. finish saga because it was like, whenever I went back to the store, I, they didn't have it or now they have all the trade paperbacks you can do. Yeah. Did I ever, did I ever give you any Garth Ennis books to read McLeod oh, okay. preacher and Hitman? No, no. Okay. I mean, Hitman is a movie. It. Like I want to make the Hitman movie. I, that's like my comic book that I really want to make. <laughs> you know, you did saga. That's Brian K. Vaughn. And he also had another series, which is amazing, which you guys could turn into a movie pretty easily is why the last man. Where, oh, that's, that's becoming a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to make a TV show, but I'm just that's saying a great book. Yeah. Be, but if you ever read that book, McCloud, you should check it out. Yeah. I'm writing it down. Yeah, why? Just the letter Y. Why the last man? He has a pet monkey named Ampersand. Yep. Ah, I love it. <laughs> it's really good. You're it is like really it. good. It was I shocking. can't believe I never told you about is... I think you maybe did. That's Now that okay. you said why the letter as opposed to why, I'm like, oh, wait, this does sound familiar. Another, <laughs> another cool one that IDW is doing is written by David Boer and, and drawn by Drew Zucker. It's called Canto, C-A-N-T-O. If C-A-N-T-O. Yeah, C-A-N-T-O. If you're a, like, if you grew up and you like the Wizard of Oz and you like the whole concept of Wizard of Oz, then you're going to okay. love Canto. It's just, it's, it's not like Wizard of Oz in the fact that somebody goes to a different world. It's, you know, it's all in within this one world, but it's, it's awesome. It's a little clockwork night and they're, his whole race is enslaved and they take their hearts out. So they have no feelings and they're against the law for them to have a name. And you meet Kanto and the girl that he has feelings for, even though he has no heart, gives him a name. And so he's original because he's the only clockwork knight with a name. And then it goes from there and he goes on this whole adventure and he's a tiny little guy. And it's like very much the, the little guy against the rest of the world. And it's, it's nice. done really well. The, hey, the what do you think of a fantastic? What do you think of the boys adaptation on Amazon? I loved it. I loved it. I I haven't watched season two yet. Yeah, but I, I thought it was great because I love Garth, and yeah. I remember reading the book, and I think I got like three issues in. I was just like, I don't think I I don't think I'm in the place for this. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? it's I'll so dark. I didn't read the book. Oh man, it's like his whole oh. Punisher run for yeah. Bourne. Punisher born is ridiculous. It's oh, yeah? way over the top. It's exactly how Punisher should be done. Okay. But I, I was the same way. I, somebody gave me <laughs> uh, the boys. I read like the first issue. Simon Pegg is on the cover and he's an actual character within the, 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 the book. And he's drawn to look just like Simon Pegg. He's not actually Simon Pegg in the book. He's no. just Simon Pegg is the reference for it. Yeah. Is the reference. I, I saw McLeod's face like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's a, uh, He's the guy, he he is the character 
in the TV show that his girlfriend gets ran over by the speedster. And then he becomes, yeah, that, that's Simon Pegg's character. But he's just, I don't know. I, I, I was the same way. I read the first issue and then I was like, I just couldn't get into it because it's all back issues. So I didn't, I didn't want to go back and pay for a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's right. a terrible reason, but the TV show has been, was fantastic. It makes me want to go back and read. Yeah. The book. Yeah. They did a really good job. You mentioned just because you mentioned his Punisher run. Did you read his uh, Punisher kills the Marvel universe? Oh yeah. 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 That's a, crazy. That's a special little. Yeah. Yeah. Bit it's of nasty. Crazy. Yeah. Punisher born <laughs> though. McLeod, they have it in trade paperback. Mm-hmm. You should read it. Cool. It's just really good writing and it's just freaking it's it's how what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's just fanatic, you know? Yeah. I mean I there's mean, a scene. No, I'll give you one of the one of the scenes that's crazy is the, it's it's the Vietnam War is going on. I think it's the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's the Vietnam War is going on. And they overtake a village, right? Catches like one of his guys raping this girl. Okay. He shoots the girl. Punisher does. This is nobody's raping anybody, basically. And then two pages later, dude that was raping the girl is washing his face off in the river. And the the moral guy, you know, the 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 ethically moral group guy in the group is coming out of the other side, and he sees Frank Castle come out of the jungle, walk up behind the dude, and just put his boot on the guy's back of the guy's head and drowns him in the river. That's how this basically starts. <laughs> And you just go from there. Jesus. It is nuts. <laughs> Garth, what's, what's going on, buddy? What's going yeah. on? Another good writer, too, to follow is Warren Ellis. Yes. Oh, I cannot tell you how many times in the last four years I've been like, when did we just start living in Transmetropolitan? <laughs> <laughs> the news just was Transmetropolitan. I'm like, this isn't even trying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was. Are, are you reading anything right now, Adam? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even watching anything right now. I, I've had so little bandwidth lately. I'm yeah. either watching stuff that I've already seen that she hasn't, or documentaries. But I will say, because we're on comics, the Watchmen, the Watchmen series on HBO, was one of the best things I've seen in a really long time. Yeah, and then. Beyond that, Damon Lindelof, who I, I interviewed when I was back with Creative Screenwriting Magazine for Cowboys and Aliens, his, you know, his opus, he, his, the the PR campaign, like when he was doing all the Q&As and roundtables and everything, yeah. listening to him talk about the process of making Watchmen and how he like went in with like kind of the best of intentions and wanting to be the white savior and managed to like surround himself with these like really brilliant and talented black writers who were, who were just like, I see what you're trying to do. And (laughs) the thing is you can't be our boss and also equal. So we're going to take the power in the room and you're going to have to take a back seat. And he was just like, but that doesn't. Oh yeah. And so (laughs) there was this really cool kind of personal growth journey. He went on in making this show. Yeah, that I just find fascinating. He tried to get Tiny Easy Coats to like co-sign, and then Tiny Easy Coats was like on some show, and he's like, "Yeah, all these like white people in Hollywood keep calling me up trying to get me to like validate their shows." And Damon's <laughs> like, "That's not what I was doing." Oh, wait a second, it is. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
that was a good show. It's unfortunate they it's, only do the one season. Yeah, but it's it's, it's perfect how it is. I mean, it's, it's, and if they want to come back in year like some years from now, HBO has told them that the door is open. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, that'd be it was shockingly good. Yeah, you know, you're oh, like, man. oh, I mean, even the uh, the whole thing with the cops wearing masks. At first, I thought, okay, this is this is a little corny. I don't know if I can get behind this, but then you learn why and, and how everything goes. It's like, okay, now it kind of all terrifyingly fits together. <laughs> I think like my favorite genre is this shouldn't work, but shit, it does. Yeah. And yeah. my McLeod's had to hear me say this like a million times, but like, it's my own process. I don't really start writing something until I think it doesn't work because right. then I have a puzzle to solve. Right. So like I have an idea. Well, most ideas are very similar to something else that's already been done. Right. And it's so much easier to not make a movie than to make a movie that if I have an idea that's similar to something else, I'm like, right. oh, that's cool. I can just pop some popcorn and watch it. Right. It's it's only when it's like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that before. I remember McLeod saying that about like when Muriel goes to the her ghosts, you know, to the to the corporate office. Yeah. And he was just like, oh. I haven't seen that. I don't think. Okay. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great premise. It's a lot of fun. It's like, Oh, well, this is different. You haven't seen anything like this. I mean, honestly, the only thing I could think of that was close to it is Beetlejuice. Yeah. And that was the only yeah. thing. And I was like, and if that's the closest thing that I'm going to find of, well, it's been almost 40 years since Beetlejuice. So this right. is awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, and like, it's it's funny because like as soon as we you know started showing it, people were like, "Oh, so Beetlejuice was a huge inspiration." And I was like, "Nope, didn't think about it at all." That's but awesome. I've watched that movie like a billion times, so it makes sense that it would just like be. I always so say my brain is like a hard drive of every song I've ever heard and every movie I've ever seen, yeah. just on shuffle. Well, you know, um, the things happen in weird ways. Are you guys familiar with Man Thing, the comic mm-hmm. character? Okay, so Man Thing, you know Swamp Thing, right? Yeah. Swamp Thing and Man Thing were literally created at the same time and were released within weeks of each other. And the f- thing that's even more funny is that Lynn Wayne created the Swamp Thing and his roommate was Jerry Conway, who created Man Thing. And they were <laughs> living together when they both introduced their characters. And yeah, and, I, and a lot of it is the zeitgeist of just being together and watching the same things and having the same basic ideas and not talking with each other, but these things happened. And we had Jerry on and Jerry Conway is awesome because he's the one who wrote the death of Gwen Stacy for Spider-Man. One of the most famous storylines of all time. He's a huge, huge guy in the comic book world for a long time. But we, and we were lucky and we were talking to him about that. And I was like, I said, is this true? Cause you knew Lynn wine. He goes, it is true. And I'm the one who did man thing. <laughs> I was his roommate. It was like, it kind of blew me away. And he's like, it, it just, <laughs> happens and it's and i think i really do think like you were saying you have all this stuff in your head that you've cataloged and when you're Mm -hmm. writing you bring things out but subconsciously it's going to be what it is and it's not i I don't want people to get the wrong idea it is not beetlejuice by any stretch of the imagination it's just the closest (laughs) thing that i could think of right when when that scene happened i that's what i went back to is is the lady with the cigarette in her throat right Yeah. yeah i think there's like i've seen it i've seen stuff Similar to it, but it's usually more angels. Yeah. Like the Adjustment Bureau or... Defending your life, matter of life and death. Yeah. 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 Did you ever read the books, The Incantations of Incarnations of Immortality? No. An author named Piers Anthony. I think it's P-I-E-R-S. 
I've heard that name. Yeah, he wrote a ton of stuff of in the 80s, what? 70s, and 90s, huh? What's it, what's the title again? He's seven books in the series. It's called The Incarnations of Immortality. Okay. And the first book is On a Pale Horse. And it's about the office of death, where Zane is the main character. He's going to kill himself because his mom just died and he, you know nothing's going right in his life. So I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill myself. He's about ready to kill himself. He's got a gun to the head. And through the mirror walks death. And for mm. some reason, he's able to move the gun and he shoots death in the head and he kills death. <clears throat> Fate comes walking out of the mirror and says, you just, uh, you know, you killed death. You have, because that's how the office of death is assumed. Each incarnation, death, fate, time, war, Satan, God, they're all offices that mortals hell hold until the next successor is assigned. You get what I'm saying? So you're immortal yeah. during the time of holding the office. But as, and each one's successor is done differently. Death is done by the guy who's kills them. It's the one who takes over. And the whole book is about him going through. And there's a lot of the same kind of things. He goes to purgatory and he's in purgatory and it's all like a big office style cubicle. You know what I mean? Tons of pure this, bureaucracy. To get this kind of sounds like my jam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's older. It's kind of weird. It has some very old world values. <laughs> so you're like, you're like, really? <laughs> you know, like when we were, I mean, you asked like back at the beginning about the yeah. writing of it. And like the thing that I really love about writing is that you, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want to do. You can play jazz. And especially when you're writing a movie, especially when you're writing a ghost movie, yeah, like them shits ain't real. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So instead, like, so many people kind of keep to this. And in fact, the original ending of the movie kept with the idea that ghosts are here because of unfinished business. Right. Um, and once I, I, I told my friend TT about it, we very quickly were like, Oh, that ending does not work. And then it just became like, well, <laughs> why not just explore like all this other stuff that's kind of be, you know, I remember like telling McLeod about the ghost supervisor. And I was like, yeah. I was just making myself laugh. <laughs> and like McLeod shows up like, dude, I've been reading all this like Voltaire stuff and I don't know what you're referencing. And I was like, I wasn't referencing anything. It was a joke. I'm so yeah. sorry. You've been doing that. <laughs> I was trying to be a good actor and understand what I like my lines and why I was saying it. And I was like, looking, this doesn't make any sense. You're looking for deeper meaning in the surface joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, that's kind of the, the, what I, what I love about writing is like, you know, especially if you get stuck and, and on this, there wasn't time to get stuck. Yeah. So like, just kind of chase whatever excites you. You know, it's, it's, it's a thing that I think Tarantino did really well early on yeah. was like, you watch all these movies. I mean, I watched, you know, I was, I was the stereotypical cinema kid, yep, me you too. know, we, we lived near a movie theater. So in Half the summer, especially I would just walk over and go and watch kindergarten cop and Batman and everything else. Like, 15 yep. times all day. Yep. Um, and so now like, yeah, it becomes, you know, especially I, what, I, like the thing I find really exciting about 21st century storytelling is that the audience has caught up and everyone, you watch a zombie movie and it's now a joke. Like, why can't you just, why don't you know you're in a zombie movie? There's yeah. zombies. Yeah. Say the word. And so like, okay, we're in a ghost movie. Let's be in a ghost movie. And there's nothing telling us that we can't go to where the ghosts live. And there's nothing telling us that we can't do this. Yeah. So, it, you know, you just have to make sure that it's earned emotionally, that it makes sense. Yeah. Because that's all suspension of disbelief is. 
Well, I'll follow you on your stupid nonsense. Just make sure that it feels true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing a comic book right now called Supernatural Baby Detective. And <laughs> it's the hardest. SBD. Okay. Yeah, it's the hardest thing to do is, is trying to keep it real. And it starts off with Frank Solomon is a 60 some year old detective who has, he's a misogynistic. He wants it to be 1940. He's living in the, in the nineties or the 2000, I don't really decided what decade he's in, but he's in modern times. He's hunting down a serial child kidnapper called the Easter bunny. Cause he only operates during uh, the months of April takes kids by the sea. He does all this stuff. He gets, he starts to, to figure out who, where this guy is. Right. Mm-hmm. Gets to the Island Easter Island. <laughs> and, and he calls nice. and, and to be fair, it's not Easter Island. It's, it's this guy calls it Easter. Anyways, gets on the Island and he instantly gets attacked by this guy and he dies. Gets, gets axed okay. ahead. As he dies, I have an entity who is, whose name is Den and it stands for something. And Den is like the great balancer of things. And he tells Frank, he needs to, I'm going to, you're going to be reborn because I need you to figure this out. I can't go to your, your realm and fix this because if I step in your universe, it's dead. It's torn up. It's torn apart. So he's, and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And so Dan basically snaps his fingers and all of a sudden he's looking at a blue light. And as he comes out, he's here's Dan saying he, he gives him the gift of, of memory and he's pulled out of, out of the uterus and the doctor has him up and he's born again, but he retains 100% of everything that he's already known and on all his memories, it's already him. And so then, you know, as he's the umbilical cords getting pulled, he's, he's being handed to his new mom and he, and he whispers in her ear, sweetheart, my name is Frank. Don't get the birth certificate wrong. And he passes out because he was just murdered, met a God and was born all in the same day. And that's my act one, basically. And then it goes cool into, that he already has like developed vocal cords. that can tell her. Oh yeah. 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 Because it's just, I, I didn't get that deep into it. Maybe that's what I need to think about. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I just I yeah. wanted that moment of him being born, knowing that he is being born and freaking out and not knowing what to say. And then having his new mom who he refuses to call mom. He keeps calling her Alice. Cause he's like, that's not my mom. My, my mom is, is so-and-so that's his, he calls her his OM, his own, his original mother. And then they go through the whole thing. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of doing act two right now, but it's nice. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but I'm trying so desperately hard not to overthink what I'm doing and keeping it like real emotions, keeping it true. Like you were just saying, but having yeah. this completely outlandish, ridiculous structure, but at the same time, you know, like real emotions, like I'm having him go through the fact of this lady has, is, takes care of me. She wipes me. She cleans up after me because he didn't have a choice, right? He doesn't, can't control right. everything. She obviously loves me unconditionally. And so he's starting to have these feelings of that's his mom, you know, but he has all the memories of his childhood of everything all the way up till he dies. So he's trying yeah. to you have to think of him trying to wrestle this and it's a funny concept, but at the same time, you put yourself in that situation. You'd be like, how do you kind of come to terms with all this shit that just happened? <laughs> well, you even have something that like, if you, if you wanted to, like if you know, you have the line of my name is Frank, get it right. But like, because babies are just crying, 
like he's saying that, but it's it's registering as why. And but you then have kind of the like as we you know as we get older and we start to talk, he's finally able to articulate. So you have the like device of inner monologue, and, and then like he's finally able to communicate at some point. I love Dude, it. You got to get yourself a McLeod because mm-hmm. let me tell you how often McLeod gets messages from me where I'm like, "This is what we're doing," and he's like. <laughs> I'm like, I got this idea. It's weird and funny. And he's just like, yeah, but what does it have to do with the story and the characters? And I'm like, but it's weird and funny. <laughs> you got to get yourself a McLeod. It's the best thing. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I got, I, I got Johnny, my co-host and I said it to him and he loved, it. he goes, I'm going to do some rewrites on it. And it, instantly I clammed up because I was uh-huh. like, no, 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 no. Let, let me finish all the, everything that I have in my head and get it all out. Yeah. Then we can go back and start doing that kind of stuff because if you start making changes now, it might completely change everything about what's in my head. Yeah, giving notes is really tricky in that regard because you don't want to squash the creative process. You don't yeah. want to like, you know, you want to, you want to. It's important to recognize where you are in the process and also how your your creative partner operates. And you know, it's really easy to shut someone down unnecessarily and not even know that you're doing it yeah not know where you're doing it and also just to be like we're not there yet like the like the details that like aren't working yet just they're they're bigger fish to fry they're kind of more holistic it's not worth getting into i had this last last night i wanted to send mcleod this thing that i've been working on but I, and I will sometimes send him things with just like scene placeholders like you know star 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 insert you know, action scene, star, star, star. And I got to a point where I was like, I can do that, but he's not going to be able to react to the full data set that I want him to if I don't write this next scene. Right. Because this next scene, you know, it's it's the end of a sequence. And so even though I'm like, I want to see if this, you know, if this thing that I just wrote works, it's like, yeah, but it's an incomplete idea. And it has taken years to get to a point of like, I can't just send everything. Also, like he has a baby now and a wife and, (laughs) you know, like he's a very busy person. So I can't send him everything as much as I want to because I I just respect his time too much. Right. So like you send him the really important things that you think I need some feedback on this. Or I try or or it's basically just like I can't send him anything that needs to be that's been microwaved. It has to have been cooked. Right. You know, I, I like you can't send placeholders anymore. Right. Which is not a thing I've actually said to you yet. But like, I, it's just been like a thing I've been realizing recently of like, I can't, you know, yeah, I, I, it's, I need to give, I, I, I need to like write it out. And that is the worst part of all of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, with a, like a placeholder, it's you, when you receive that and it's like to give notes, it's like, and then here will go a really good scene and you go, okay, well then I guess that's true. But now that you, you know, you've been doing this a while, are we going to see anything directed by or written by? Probably not written by, I don't know. Probably not. I'm not a terribly motivated person. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer, I prefer help. Like I don't have a high enough opinion of like my, my perspective on the world to feel like it needs to hear what I think about it. (laughs) I prefer, I prefer helping people like Adam who, who I think have great ideas and who, who also just can't, can't help it. Like it's, they were put here to 
to create stories. And I, I, I so far, I'm, I'm happy helping people with, you know, put their mark on the world. That's awesome. Playing hey, a tambourine. I got to ask you, because I had, while I have you on, how sad were you knowing that you were doing the last book? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't, I haven't narrated it yet. I think yeah. I do. It's coming though, right? It's coming. Yeah. And it's just when I say the last books, people listening know, and I said at the beginning, but I feel, I have a feeling we'll probably cut this into two. McLeod does the voiceover or the narration work for Sandman Slim novels. Yeah. And it's a, it's, I think that it's quite a few books in the series and, and Kadri, the author has, has said he's written the last one. And so it's coming for, for McLeod, but you've been doing it for so long since what, 2013, 2012? Uh, Somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Somewhere and around. now you're coming into end of an era. And and the Sandman Slim fan base has grown exponentially in the last few years. So it's it's pretty cool. But at the same time, it's it's sad. Yeah, it is. I I I respect the hell out of the choice. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I so so I'm really I think it's awesome that he's ending it. Um, yeah. And starting another chapter. And I mean, I mean, like, I think Sandman Slim, probably to this day, you know, it's sort of, it's kind of one of the series that made my career. Like, it's, it's certainly one of the things I'm most known for. That's how I met you. Yeah, exactly. I looked Um, out, I'm like, I want to, I want to talk to McLeod because this, this is, your work on the books are awesome. Thank you. I mean, uh, I'm dude, I'm not blowing smoke. They're really, really good. And I read the books first. Now, this might be terrible. I have a hard time reading the books. I just want to <laughs> narrate the story because it's so good. And it's just so much fun. And they're unabridged. So it's not like you're missing anything. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting the whole thing. And because you, I don't know, you are the voice of Sandman. So it's like, yeah, there's James Stark. Every time you talk, I'm, I, I have a hard time not thinking that... <laughs> Jump into a shadow and all of a sudden be like, like I'm out of here, dude. This guy talking about babies, <laughs> lives, and whatever. But it's been cool because now that I've seen you in a couple movies, now my whole thought process of you know the work that you're doing is, has changed dramatically. Yeah, I've wanted, I've actually wanted to ask, like having seen me, you know, do movies and, and yeah. stuff. Like, does it does it mess with your perception of listening? No, okay. No, it hasn't. I, I mean, it's 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 been good. I like I. Our first thing, Adam, you listened to those those two things. McLeod mm-hmm. and I and Johnny got along so well. I think I probably bugged him how much I mess instant message him on Twitter <laughs> after that. We we're just going back and forth, and every time he has something going on, I'm quick to. I always want to congratulate him because I think it's awesome the work you guys are doing, and. And so I always think, no, that's my buddy. Now I get to say, that's my friend that's doing all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's more fun now. It's, it's been more fun watching you. And then knowing that what you're doing when you're like, what, when you're recording James Stark and all the stuff that you've been doing, it's, it's just heightened all the, the experience. Let's put it that way. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, like I, when a ghost weights actually got distribution, one of the first thoughts I had was like, Oh good. I have a reason to, <laughs> to call up Kendrick and Kendrick and, and ask if I can do a uh, spoiler country. Oh, so. dude, come on anytime you want. Are you kidding? We can talk about how you butter toast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he butters toast very well. Yeah. Now we can have <laughs> I'm very, I'm it's very, very sensuous. I'm very thorough. <laughs> He's, Every he's very thorough. 
but now we can we can pull Adam in because the two of you together is even more fun. Like, yeah. I think part of, I mean, with especially with the books, like, what was the one McLeod? It was like a Star Trek parody. Wow. It was. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Okay, so. I was living with him when he was recording that and it's the Star Trek parody and there's the, all these alien races and you've got the crew and everything. And he does all the voices. Yeah. And like the coolest part of it, cause we would prep it and then he, he'd go and record and he'd come home with like cookies from Porto's cause he was in Burbank and like his throat is just shredded. Yeah. But like the smile on his face is so huge because he was having so much fun and like, it is working with McLeod. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't always working with your friends is something that, you know, like our, our buddy, Jamie Buckner, like, you know, I remember him saying like, all I want to do is make movies with my friends. He wants to be Kevin Smith part two. Yeah. And I would always say, I don't want to work with my friends. I want to work with skilled craftsmen who will make a good movie. Yeah. Working with McLeod is kind of the best of that. Like Could he, you get any skilled. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, you know, he's ridiculously talented as both an actor and a producer, but like I, I sent him a message last week. I was out running some errands and I just had an idea and it's like a two line idea. Just like, there's no meat on the bone jet, but like yeah. I had a thought and it's so cool. I can tell when something really sticks Yeah, because he's just like, Oh yeah. It's cause like if it's not really sticking with him, yeah. He'll, but like, if it's clear that I like it, he he's like, okay, like walk me through a little bit, like explain. But if it's just like on its face, it's yeah. so cool. He's just like, yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, I've done something right. I made McLeod, <laughs> you know, I, I got McLeod. We're, well, now we're you on guys the right track. Like, <laughs> people who've been listening, you know why I made the joke when you did table read, did McLeod do all the voices? Yeah, he could. He really could if he wanted yeah. to do it. So, well, uh, nah, I mean, Audiobooks are a little different because of <laughs> right. suspension of disbelief. You know, you kind of like there's this agreement that like, okay, we all know that you're going to be everybody and we're right. along for the ride. I think it's when you throw it into a different context sometimes, like the Steelheart, the Reckoner series, the guys yeah. at Nauvoo Games made a board game of it and they had, they had they had listened to the audiobooks as opposed to reading it. And, you know, they they said, hey, will you will you do a promo for us doing the voices from, from Steelheart? It's sort of like, almost like an animated scene kind of thing. And, right. you know, pushed out of the context of an audiobook. I was like, I, I really don't think you should have me voice Megan, you know, the, the lead actress, because it's just in that world of like a dynamic scene, right. so that, that suspension of disbelief that I am a 20 year old woman. <laughs> It just doesn't, it doesn't sell, you know, oh. much as, as, as much versatility as I maybe have, like, it's not gonna, it's gonna hit the ear weird. And I actually ended up having my wife record that for me. I was just like, just so you, they were like, well, but, but we're really attached to all of your voices. And I was like, I, I understand that. And I appreciate that. Just listen to my wife do it because, you, but no. <laughs> because the context is it's, it's, it's going to be weird. Did you like not, what she did? Did they like what she did? Yeah. Yeah. They ended up doing that. That's nice. How are you recording, McLeod? Are you still going into a studio or are you, did you set up a home studio yet? Nice. Uh, little whisper room. The whisper room. Yeah. yeah. For those, for those who are listening, I just tilted my camera to show my three and a half foot by two and a half foot box that I yeah. step in for 
six to eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to put that together? Oh, it's, I, there's a guy. He came out uh, and did it. What's that? Yeah. A guy come out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Back in my old apartment. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why am I blanking on the name? Scott, Scott Peterson. I think. Did you he have wrote, that when you came on? I don't remember if you had that. I think you were, you were going into the studio. Oh yeah, I was. I've had it for years. I've neg- yeah. I've refused to use it to record books in because one, I I, I recently moved, so now I'm in an air conditioned home. Nice. Uh, but for years and years, I was in you know a one bedroom apartment with no AC, and it was tucked in a closet and it too hot, too hot, hot, yeah. hot and miserable. And I was just yeah. like, no, I'm not going to record for six hours in in there. Now it's 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 manageable. I got to um, get nerdy on you. What mic are you using? I'm using a custom built Neumann U87 clone. Uh-huh. So it's, it's built by an engineer named Sebastian Zetten, who I worked with for many years, who sort of started doing a side hustle, building microphones. And, you know, he opened up an old Neumann U87 to see how it uh, worked and then, you know, bought a kit and started building, building clones. And that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds freaking fantastic. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've recorded random house books on it. I've recorded Sandman Slim on it now. I've, That's I've awesome. What, uh, and last nerdy question, what's your audio interface for it? I use a, a Apollo Twin. Oh, nice. And then if I have to record locally, which every once in a while you have to, just because internet connection or whatever, Yeah. Um, then I'll, I'll, I'll use DAW, uh, my, I'll use Reaper as my right. DAW. Yeah. Yeah. That's digital audio workstation for you. Digital audio <laughs> Reaper is also what I did the sound design for uh, a ghost weights on. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. It's great. It's a super versatile program. There's tons of tutorials on the internet and, yep. and it's really affordable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's 60 nice. bucks or something like that. Whereas I, pro tools is like a grand, two grand. Yeah, so yeah. pro tools is too much. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I like Adobe premiere, but, I, I, the subscription model kills me. Yeah. You know, cause it's just like, Oh my God, come on. <laughs> I'd rather pay up front and get like a, a few, like give me two years of updates. And then if I want to roll with that for, for the rest of my life, then that should be on me. But yeah, I, yeah. Just, I hate it, but I get it. It's easier for them to maintain, especially with Adobe had a lot of pirating issues. Mm. a ton yeah that makes sense and then now also it allows it does allow people to use the software you know at you know an affordable price you know if you if you're going to be editing for six months or three months or whatever 20 bucks a month it's like you can you can manage that as opposed to just one big pop of like 500 dollars or a grand which most people can't 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 chew. And also, especially if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to use this every year, every day. So yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. It kind of the idea that I, it, it irks me. We, we edited ghost weights on Adobe premiere and it, it works. The yeah, clouds, yeah. the clouds kind of nice. Yeah. Well, right yeah. now we're using, I mean, I, I hate the description model, like I just said, but we're using Descript and Descript is amazing because you upload your audio to it it automatically transcribes it. And then say you say, right. I can literally uh-huh. highlight and then go delete. And it says, would you like to delete all the filler words? And it'll go through and find all the ums and uhs in, in the transcribed oh, yeah. thing and then delete them all out of the audio track automatically. 
That's awesome. Yeah. How and is that not re- the biggest thing in the marketplace? Yeah, it's huge. And then you can record <laughs> yourself, right? Saying some control words. And then mm-hmm. you can literally write the script and it it's still, you can still tell it's not you, but it's pretty freaking close. of sounding just like you saying it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I know how I feel about that. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the tweet I tweeted today. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. And we're back. New phone, yeah, right? We are new phone, back. remember? <laughs> new phone, back new phone. In the saddle. Really is. <laughs> well, I'll just read it to you. I hope you guys because really, really enjoyed yeah, that as much as we did. What's the word for, for the creeping anxiety that if one you day like your career will be taken more, by AI? You got to go check out Spoilerverse.com. Because at Spoilerverse.com, <laughs> yeah, I linked to an article that was like, plethora. you know, read by, you can still tell it's mechanized. But such a snobbish When I listened word. to it, well, I like when it I started though. listening to it, my first thought was, this guy has a nice voice. And I was like, oh, that was a weird choice. And I was like, who's this guy's editor? Like, oh, it's not a guy. Amazing directors and but the fact that it took me a second, I was like, and editors and writers. Oh and man, that's hilarious! Oh my God, are you a level? Yeah, of comic it, books the script like is nice because it's like literally there's so many so for the many audio. Like I'll put this into Final Cut World. And I'll use Final Cut Pro, and I highly Mac. implore you yeah. to go all there the video portions. You know, and I'll yeah, edit and it out there, you there can check and out all the other podcasts on our network. Like, I'm the nowhere near a video editor by any stretch. I'm still learning everything. So, so many more. Misery Point Radio. Point Radio. Correction is not Point a thing for me. Tons of great you know, stuff out there. I don't know Go what I'm doing. Go check all of them it. out. And yeah, check out all the reviews and previews. But I don't do, I learn better by, if Adam was like this video editing whiz, and him and I sat down, he's like, you do this, you do that. I would learn in a heartbeat like that. Which is this patreon.com slash world country. We'll I taught myself to edit, edit editing the movie, face mask, yeah. hoodie, something, and fly as hell. Help yeah, I definitely would not call myself an editor, although I am <laughs> credited as one. But like, I, I appreciate that I now have like a language. If you go to when we scpod.us slash discord, but when we had already done other questions, I had tried to do that. I had tried my hand at it because it's the same reason I play Neil in the movie. I know I can afford myself and I'll be there. And so I couldn't get it to work. And so, you know, Ari did it in two days and it looks amazing. And I was talking to my friend Marisa shortly thereafter. And we are. she we are. is. I guess there's only one left she thing. taught herself one left how to run yeah. like electricity. <laughs> she like left thing she left to do. was redoing her apartment and like you know, she she wasn't happy with the job the guy did. And so Cthulhu. taught herself. Cthulhu. And she like we did tours and the plumbing yeah. and the wiring oh, and all kinds of crap. And so she was just like, well, mm-hmm. could you have you know do you do you think you could have taught yourself to do it? And I was like, maybe if I had like three years to just study and like experiment, you know. But it's like. Part of the fun of this is collaboration yeah. and working with people who have just, they have a craft and they have worked at this craft for so long. I've been writing scripts for like 20, 22 years now. Wow. And they were bad for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, but they were also like, this is, you know, trying to write like Tarantino, trying to write like Sorkin, trying to write like Paul Thomas Anderson, trying to write like, you know, and that's how it works though. Yeah, it is. And like something has to kind of click for you. Like for, for in my case, and I, I, I like to say this because more people should watch the movie. I had just seen this like modern romantic comedy where two people connect almost exclusively through pop culture. Right. And then like a couple of days later, I saw Marty, which is like the Ernest Borgnine movie that yep. Patty Chayesky wrote in the 50s. And it's just these two middle-aged people who meet at a dance hall and they like their souls connect. They don't talk about music or nothing. It's just like, this is what it is to live in the world when you've given up. And 
I remember like watching that, like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. This feels timeless. And once I kind and like that kind of unlocked a lot, like, and then of course making, you know, there's no film school, like making a movie. Right. You know, I didn't understand so much of what a director needed to do. I can't tell you how many times Chenny told me to like make a shot list for Mike. We never had time because there was no money. Mike couldn't take time off for prep. So there was no prep. We were finding shots on the day on set right? and, and blocking then there was no rehearsal. There was never a script read, but like, now I, if for like the next thing I can sit down and kind of make a shot list or like something adjacent to one, like I now have at least an understanding, but at the time I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need someone to hold my hand through this. Yeah. And so, yeah, like collaboration teaches you so much and it also like leads you to appreciate and respect like an editor is someone whose mind just does that. Right. You know, and it is magic the, yeah. with the, the, you know, if, if I were to like sit down with a real editor, I think they would laugh me out of the booth because I don't do bins or anything or, or in color correction and sound and yeah. acting and everything. Like all of it is that's how their brain works. Yeah. And respecting that and not wanting to like step on anyone, you know, and like, well, let me, let me tell you how your brain should be doing it. It's like, no. It's it's like my philosophy with actors. Your job yeah. is to know the characters better than I do. Right. Uh, you know, so it's like, yeah, I my job as the writer is to create a document that conveys the point of everything, the point of the scenes, the point of the story, and the point of the characters. But then you give that to your collaborators and say, please make this look, make, please make this better. Right. You know, make me look smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I managed people for a long time in corporate America. And that's the one oh, yeah. that's my mantra all the time is I want to hire people that are smarter than me around me. Because mm-hmm. that's just, you know. That that was Lincoln's thing, right? If you're uh if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. If you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. You know, and going back on what you were talking about, I think when you're trying to be the Quentin Tarantino or you're trying to be Mamet or whoever is the people that you look towards, it's the same thing with music, right? I don't know of any band that didn't start off as a cover band, you know, not ones that were really good that end up writing their own stuff and coming up with their own style steeped in the things that they already loved, you know? And then, yeah. then, then you, you kind of grow from there. Like Metallica, that was like, they were a garage band. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. And then they become like the, the biggest heavy metal act of the eighties and nineties. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Metallica cause that came up on a, a recent chat we did. And like, yeah. I've been thinking about it since that the, the question of authenticity in, yeah. in, th- in punk, in metal, in hip hop, you know, you never really have it in pop. You never really, you know, but uh, horror has that, you yeah. know, there's a big question of authenticity in horror, you know, and if, and now you have this like elevated horror and like is silence of the lambs horror. And it's like, of course it is. How is that not a horror movie? Yeah. <laughs> but there's this like ghettoization that happens where they're like, well, if it's horror, then that horror is, you know, cheap and it's a guy with a knife, you know, and it's like, well, it can be, but, but like an genre is opera. Yeah. You know, you have your metaphor, like Friday the 13th, 
is not just about a guy with a knife. Originally, Friday the 13th is about a woman who lost her kid and will never get over it right. and like has taken it upon her to like take out anyone who might someday result in an, another kid dying. It's a full like, murder it is mystery. generational trauma. And it's fascinating, but like you have a lot of people who don't want to think about that because horror is boobs and blood. Right. You right. Know? I was like, well, it can be. You can and be. if that's it's all you have time for, then yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting when it comes to art, it's so weird because it's really doesn't evoke an emotion, whether you hate it or you love it. And then you know, some it's good. I mean, I've watched plenty of bad movies. But nobody mm-hmm. goes in there thinking I'm going to make a bad movie unless there's a point to it, you know. It's right. <laughs> no, it's going. I, hey, I got a chance to write the Avenger or write the Fantastic Four. I think I'll just totally screw it up and not understand anything that I'm doing. No one does that. I used to say you haven't seen bad movies unless you've programmed a festival, because the ones you're seeing at least got distribution. Right. And I have seen the undistributed crap of America. But then <laughs> lately I've been watching uh, Christmas movies to research a potential project. Yeah. And I watched one the other night that got distribution and I made it 12 minutes in and I just, I stopped it and I said, I don't know if this is the worst movie I've ever seen, <laughs> but that woman is definitely the worst actress I've ever seen. And I don't like, and it ruined other, like it ruined visual media for a day. I couldn't watch anything else. I just had to like go listen to stuff. Cause like I watched Mr. Mayor afterwards and I was like, is Holly Hunter a bad actor? Or am I just like unable to appreciate this because that movie was such, so it was such shit. Well, you can rest uh, assured there's <laughs> never a time that Holly Hunter is a bad actress. Yeah. She is yeah. always on point. <laughs> Oh my God. And like, but you know, I went like, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of researching this movie that I turned off. Like, how did this happen? And man, they were so genuine and they thought they were making the next great thing. And it's just like, whew. Okay. But like, they're happy with it. You know, talk to plenty of people, man. And then, and then I want to go back and I, and I want to watch it because I got excited talking to them. I didn't yeah. know the movie and I didn't, you know, I didn't know the writing or anything. And then you go back and you watch it and you're like, Ooh, that was rough. You know? <laughs> and if you talk to somebody, you almost feel yeah. like you want to make it through the whole thing to give them the, because you know, to give them the benefit. And it's like, Oh, that was, that was, that was a rough watch. <laughs> I have a honest, story. Had I will... this kind of anxiety when, when, when I told you to watch, to maybe watch uh, some of my movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I have a story that I will tell you off mic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will never tell it on the record. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is with your guys's movie and with the other movies that you've that I've seen you in, McLeod, there's an honesty to them, you know, and there's a difference that you actually know the craft <laughs> and convey emotions on your face. I'm not kidding. I've seen some of these movies where it's just it's it's like they just have a teleprompter off in the distance. And they're yeah. literally, it looks like they're just reading it. Yeah. It was, I mean, like it's terrifying watching bad or even mediocre yeah. films. Like sometimes watching a mediocre film is even more terrifying because it's a fine line between like something being bad or mediocre or great. Like yeah. it's, and I, like, that's, that's often been like the, the sort of existential dread of, of making small films is for it it's not 
it, it they're bad until it's until that moment when it clicks in and it's like it's great like, right and even when it's great like I like remember sitting like a lot of people have responded really positively to they look like people. I love it. Yeah. Like, but even when it was out and like we had won some awards, I remember sitting at like the 10th festival watching it with an audience and being like, fuck, this is a terrible movie. Why does anybody like it? Like, and it's not, I don't think that. I don't Dude, feel the bag that. scene. But was that the bag scene with when you have the bag over it? Oh my God, dude, that was so freaky. I was like, no, no, you dude, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like with the goat, with the ghost weights, like there is, you know, there's the assembly cut and then there's the next cut and the next yeah. cut. And like, you know, it's over the course of years. So there's like big chunks of your life where you're like, I don't know if we can pull this off. Yeah. Like there, there was even like, we had a screening in Kentucky where, where it was like at a place where I was like, this is good. Like this is, a good try. This is like, we can be really proud of the effort that we put into making this. And there's some stuff that's really great in here. I yeah. don't think it's a great movie yet. And then finally there was a week of like in August where like Adam came out to LA and we just buried ourselves in this intense editing schedule. And like where we just kept, we'd watch it at night. We'd do edits in the morning. We'd watch yeah. it at night. And then, like that, and then there was like this moment at towards the end of that week where I was like, "This is a good movie. Like this, like like this is actually no excuses, no like, hey, good try. Hey, you didn't have a lot of resources. Hey, there was just where I was just like, no, this is worth it. Yeah. This is this is worthwhile. But it's like five years to get there. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, I think. One reason that I'm sorry, but like, I think one reason that McLeod and I work really well together is that neither one of us really have entitlement yeah. and we're both fairly humble people. So like the fact that, you know, we make a movie, it's not good because we made it. Right. You know, there is no, like we're, we both are chasing things that we want that we think are interesting, but it's also like, we're both more than willing to say like, I made this and it's not very good. Right. And that is a crucial thing. I know a lot of people who desperately want to make movies, but you read the scripts that they write and they're very clearly just like, they like movies and they want to make one and they have nothing to say. Right. And it is to borrow a term. I just read on an NBA blog that I was just like, that's perfect. And I'm stealing it a consistent mediocrity. Whereas like with the two of us, you know, and, and because there's two of us, one of us can kind of have a moment of like, oh, man, oh, we did it. We're geniuses. Great. And the other one can say, ah, we haven't, we're not, they're not there. Yeah, like, we're not we, there yet. Yeah. We did some good work, but we're not done. You right. know, Watch and the then. the thing that I just watched. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's the thing, the difference between, the, the reason the mediocre films, like, and even bad films are like so terrifying is it's like, the, it's the difference of three months of work or yeah. like one really hard week of work. You know, it's like, it's like, Oh, that version of our movie two passes ago, if we had stopped, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll tell you one thing that like really annoys the living shit out of me is the, the note, the, the idea of kill your darlings mm -hmm. because people just throw that out. Like it's a fix it. Yeah. You know? Oh, you got to kill your darlings. That means nothing outside of the moment because you made a movie. They're all your darlings. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At least at this level, like, you know, I, I made a movie. Are you kidding me? It's, you know, I, this is, this is amazing. And then, you know, they're like, well, this doesn't work. And it's why, you know, we, we did the, we, we cut it together and then, it was like, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And it was very apparent that it didn't work. Right. So we did the first set of pickups. The first set of pickups was supposed to be the only set of pickups. We, I, you know, we went shot it. I cut it in. We're working on that. We're sending it to people. We're getting notes. Yeah. And, you know, McLeod and I were supposed to go to, we were supposed to meet in Delaware for a week. My mom lives in Delaware. So we were going to stay at the house and like, they've got a pool and a beautiful deck. And it was just going to be a really nice week of work. And we had gotten some notes back and there was this one consistent note that was constantly there. Yeah. And I was like, no, like it does this. It sets up this, like it has to be there. And finally you get through the wall of like, Oh, it doesn't work. It's there, but it doesn't work. Okay. We have to figure out a way that does that in a way that works. Yeah. That's yeah. in English. And like people can tell what it, what you're doing. I don't think we're going to Delaware. I think we're going back to Cincinnati and shooting some more of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but like you, if you just said, you know, cause people would just say, like, yeah, you got to kill your darlings. And it's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I have, oh, that, man. I have that issue all the time. It's hard for me sometimes to take, not that I can't take critical, you know, I, I, not that I can't right. take somebody telling me what I'm doing wrong or anything like that. But when it's something I'm creating and they don't see what I'm seeing, you know, but at the same time, yeah, I got to flip it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time looking through their eyes of, of I'm presenting this to you to entertain you. And now I've created this whole section that you're like, I don't even get what's happening. I don't understand anything that's happening because there's all this other stuff that's in my head that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> I mean, like note re- note receiving is is truly a skill. Yeah, uh, and it takes a lot of I think psychological training. And luckily, you know, I've worked with people like Adam and Perry who are really good at receiving feedback. Yeah, that's good. But like, the, there's a kind of common saying of like. It's what's the note behind the note. Yeah. If, if, because sometimes, sometimes like maybe somebody says something you disagree with or whatever, but there's a reason they said it. Right. And it, you don't necessarily have to fix the thing they are trying to describe, but you do have to understand why they're feeling that way and why they're saying it. Like, and it might be like, okay, like they want me to do this. I'm not going to do this. But the reason they want me to do this is because they're bored. Right. Like, and so I need to make sure they're not bored right here. Right. Right. The reason they're saying this is because they're confused. So I just need to make sure they're not confused. I don't want to say the thing that they want me to say, but I do need to make sure that they understand what I'm trying to say. Right. Right. It's also fun when people give you a note, like it should be a different movie. (laughs) (laughs) okay cool thanks (laughs) i mean like i i remember with like they look like people like evan and i came down so hard on perry for the ending like we were just coming like you know what like because i do we want to say like we like like what about this what about this and like perry finally said guys i understand what you're saying i hear you and it all makes sense i just need you to know that's just not the movie i want to make Like the the ending you're telling me is a valid way to go. That's not what I want to do. Like, that's not the movie I want to make. And that's not a, like, it's easy for that to become a cop-out. Like, like, well, yeah, but I just, but like, 
but it's important to like, sometimes those challenges force you to reckon with why you want something to be the way it is. Like you have to to justify your choice, you know? It's helped me become such a better communicator because now like I think about what, obviously this isn't true of like, if I've just met somebody, right? but especially if I'm talking to somebody that I know well, I think about how I know, how I've observed them processing information how they hear things because I want to say something. I don't like to repeat myself, but I also don't want to offend anybody. And I don't, you know, and it's like, it's really easy to say a half thought and then somebody comes at it from the wrong angle and they get the wrong half. And and you're just like, but no, that's not what I was saying, but that's what they heard. Right. And I just, I just learned that it's like, it's a lot easier to do the work up front and then say something in a clear manner than to say it immediately and then have to do an hour of like rescue work right. to, to find the point that you're trying to get at. Right. And by the time you're tired and you don't want to talk about it anymore. It's like the scenario when you tell some, you're, you're explaining a, a situation and somebody focuses on a minor detail. Yes. Like that has nothing to do with the, with the whole scope of everything I'm talking about. Why yeah. are you talking about the nickel that should be 19. You want it to be 1968 and I have 1952 on that. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I got oh, yeah. Like all those other with, things going on with the ghost weights. Like it was very, it's very important to me that I know the time, you know, like, okay, this takes place over three days, you know? And like, how do we make, how do we convey that? So that's like the t-shirts and, yeah. you know, sleeping and everything, but like, so that's important. But then if somebody says, what day is it? Like, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he starts on a Monday it's or a Wednesday time, or not the yeah. actual day. Which <laughs> again, like you try and ask yourself, what's the note behind the note? You say which, which you say like, okay, for some reason this person cares if it's Wednesday, right? Why? Like, yeah. like, like, are they you're not, bored? You're not hearing the lapse of time. Are they checking out? Like, yeah, yeah. And and in in cases like that, and a lot of time when I I make the joke of like the note that is it should be a different movie, right? <laughs> they're just telling on themselves. They're kind of you know they're they watched it, but like people engage with just random shit. Yeah. We showed the movie in uh, here in Queens one night, and a person like cornered me for a while about the pattern on the rug in the bedroom and what it represented. And I was like, it represented that it was there when we were shooting, but it's cool that it spoke to them. And it is cool (laughs) that it spoke to them and then they grabbed something out of it. It's so weird when it comes to movies and, and music and even books, what people gravitate to. Yeah. It's like something that's an afterthought. Like it was there, but to them, it meant everything. Oh, it's the best. Oh, I, I love the fact, like, there's so much in this movie that, like, I didn't really, like, consciously intend yeah. that when somebody points out, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's there. Like, you know, there's there's a very strong anti-capitalist streak in this movie that I didn't intend in the writing. But, like, you can ask anyone who spends any time with me. I am obsessed with late stage capitalism and the hazards that it has wrought. Right. So, like. As soon as it was pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and, and, it, and, like, that's so cool. Like, it's the, you know, it's it's like trying to consciously write subtext. Like, you yeah. can't. Right. You know, it just has to be there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, guys, we're coming up on. on I got it. I got our two-hour episode. <laughs> I'm so You're happy. in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome ben. to Spoiler Country. Our guests today are <laughs> exactly. the script. 
please delete half of what McLeod said. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a couple of edits. One that I promise McLeod I'll do because I don't. We don't need him getting in trouble for anything. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. Best. Best that I, I suppose. Yeah. That I keep. He spoiled the next Spider-Man movie. Out. Everybody yeah. is wondering what we're talking about. Yeah. You're looking at Peter Parker for his 30-year run. This is when you're married to Mary Jane. You guys have your kid. Oh, man. I would so make up a Spider-Man movie with McCloud as Peter Parker. That would be amazing. Actually, you you could pull it off. I think you I've could do it. That. Especially if you did like the the Craven's Last Hunt. I feel, like I, I feel like I missed my shot with Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh, <laughs> dude, that was so good. Yeah. That's a good movie. They did such a great job. Have you read that one, McLeod? The Craven's Last Hunt? No. No, oh, I haven't. Dude, I think that's my favorite Spider-Man mo- story ever told. Mm. It's about Craven is a classic villain. And the, the cool thing is, is the guy who wrote it, his name is John DiMatteis. DiMatteis went to DC and pitched this as a story for Batman with the huh. Joker. And they said no. And so... Uh, a couple years go by and he pitches it again and they say no. So then he goes to Marvel and JMD Mateus is he's written thousands of books and like literally he's been in the game for like 40, 40 years. So he goes uh, to Marvel and they're like, we love the storyline. We don't know where to put it. And he's does a little bit of research and he finds this not real well-known villain at the time named Craven, who is a Russian big game hunter. That's his whole angle. And he loves it. He falls in love with this guy and they write this whole story. And I swear to God, it's a Craven story with, with Spider-Man as, as the second level character in it really, because it's all about this guy's descent into madness and, and all the stuff that, that, that it rots. And I feel like it should have a huge impact on who Spider-Man is today, even though it's kind of been retconned, which is uh, unfortunate, Yeah, but it's, it really is. It's, it's like, it's a superhero book that I tell people to read to try to get them into superheroes. Does that make sense? I'm really hoping that the success of WandaVision shows that awesome. we can be a lot more elastic with yeah. our approach to, especially now that Disney plus is, is run is like running and doing really well. Like, you know, yeah, you're, you're making these movies to make a billion dollars and you know, you got around some edges to do that, but like, something that's smaller and especially if one division is just going to be a nine episode run and like, that's it. Yeah. Like you that's, can, that's you can do Craven's last hunt. You can do all these things that are just smaller, Yep. you know, that you tell 30 to 50 minutes at a time and you're, you're done. Yep. Actually, Adam, you probably agree with me. I think for Craven's last hunt, they really needed to do Tobey Maguire coming back as Spider-Man and <laughs> be the actual director. Cause one, the, the fact that uh, the weirdness of that story is right up at Raimi's alley. Yeah. You know, and two, he would be the, you know, that older Spider-Man that gets affected by this. It's, it's a wonderful story. I, I think. Yeah. It'd be cool to see. But uh, speaking I of also movies, just want to see him Raimi directing more. I miss that guy so much. He's doing, you know, he's doing the new Dr. Strange. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited I was for that. Very happy about that. Yeah. And one division um, goes right into Dr. Strange. I, yeah. So like, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, like, I started watching WandaVision and I was just like, oh, I am here for this. Like, yeah. the, first, the first two episodes. And then it stepped beyond the hex and yeah. started introducing all that. And I was like, don't care. 
Don't care. Get back to the weird, get back to the weird sitcom nostalgia trying like as she's processing grief. Like get yeah. get me back to that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so i it's kind of been like fits and starts watching it where I'm just like, I don't care. I don't believe a single word out of Kat Denning's mouth. Like, can we please just talk about grief? It's amazing. I love this so much. And like Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are doing serious, like especially Paul Bettany, career work. Oh, dude, they sh- they deserve Emmy nominations at the very least because they're both and, doing some awesome stuff where you're just like, you're in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're in there and you're just like, I, I can't even begin that. One, they're taking this completely ridiculous outcome and this, this fantastical situation, you know, but they're so good and, and so serious in their roles that you're you're lost. You're in it. You're, you're like yeah. everything else kind of goes away and you're like, oh, yeah, I can totally believe what I'm seeing now. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I went in wanting it to be the Tom King vision run. Yeah. And then, but then, like, once it became like, oh, she's processing, like, okay, that's interesting. I heard and, yeah. House of M, which I haven't read, but I guess a lot of it's coming from House of M. Yeah. And and then, yeah, my friend was telling me about, like, Agatha Harkness and all that stuff. And then he said, like, and this is going to feed right into Multiverse of Madness. And I was just like, well, I mean. I, I'm so I, excited for the multiverse because I... I liked the first Doctor Strange. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I watched the first time. I watched it. It was cool. Second time, I fell asleep. And I don't think I've been able to make it through it without falling asleep since. Um, Yeah, I was bored. Sam Raimi is so freaking good. I'm really excited to see what he does. Because he's like, to me, he feels like the original independent director, you know, doing Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And then Evil Dead 2 is basically his remake of Evil Dead because he didn't like some things. Honestly, like like, even for Love of the Game has just like awesome bits to it you know oh, yeah. quick in the dead rules that movie that rock movie. socks and i will fight anyone who oh, says dude, otherwise Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> is so good in that movie. i mean i'm not even a sharon stone fan but i love yeah. that movie with her in it and yeah you know that whole scene with gene hackman and leonardo DiCaprio going head to head and i'll tell you and like that oz movie he made like mm-hmm. there are some parts it's not a good movie but there are some there are some bits yeah <laughs> yeah I, is that the one with james franco yeah. Was that, that was, that was Raimi? I'm almost certain it was. Wow. Because I feel like that's why I saw it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I like James Franco, but man, he's, when you go watch a James Franco movie, you're just watching James Franco. When he does not care, when he cares, it's awesome. Like 127 hours, he's great. Yeah. I just tried to listen to his audiobook of Slaughterhouse Five, which is my favorite book of all time. And he's so bored. Oh really? It's like, dude, it's Slaughterhouse Five. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And now let's 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 cut it now because we're starting to talk shit about people, and that shit happened. (laughs) 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 And another thing about. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and and giving me all that. Oh, damn, you gave me two hours, which is stupendous. You can't <laughs> believe it. I Thank gotta, you, man. He's out longer. If I see McLeod's name on there, I'm just like... <laughs> it's a night we're making an evening of it thank you thank you for having us like oh yeah especially movies of this size we live and die by word of mouth and so anytime it's i mean honestly anytime somebody wants to talk about it it feels like christmas so uh, we really appreciate you you taking the time it's great yeah i've been looking out there no go to arrow-player.com and uh, for like adam said at the beginning of the show 4.99 a month and there's a cute there's a promo code and you can get that half off 
Yep. Arrow UK launch, all caps. What was it again? Arrow UK launch. Then you're getting half off. I mean, Boom. That's, that's amazing. And the first <laughs> movie on there that you should watch is A Ghost Waits. It's fantastic. You guys, you can tell you guys had a lot of fun making it. Actually, before I let you go, McLeod, I got to ask you one question. Yeah. In the scene where you're putting together your utility belt in the kitchen, you drop the knife or you drop the hammer. Uh-huh. Was that intentional or was that like, oh my God. I, and then you actually caught it and then you put it back because you had this look on your face like, did I just mess that up? <laughs> <laughs> Either that, way, I, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that that was not intentional. I don't think it was, at least. I think I was trying to like give Jack like, a, oh, like he does this all the time and like he's got skills and like I just whacked myself in the chest and like, and, and it was because I was like, it dropped, it was a hammer. It dropped right on the guy's counter and like yeah. he's been so gracious with his house and like, I was just, I was like, I was afraid that I had like, oh great, like he's been. I legit laughed out loud. When that happened, I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, but it totally works. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk. We'll be chatting soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome.